Konnichiwa. Welcome to the Jandals in Japan podcast. Hey, Catherine. Kia ora. Hi, Jane. Konnichiwa. We are coming to you from Tokyo today. Well, I'm in Tokyo. Catherine, you're always in Tokyo, but I'm in Tokyo today too. Not in Fukushima as usual. And we are recording in the Conrad Tokyo Hotel. We are. So beautiful here. Amazing. What a view out the window of glorious Tokyo. And also we've had some uh, wonderful people that we've been speaking with this morning over breakfast. Yes. So we wanted to give you a quick update before we get into the episode today about our breakfast meeting we had this morning, our bricky that we had with the lovely boys from Native Sparkling who are here on a trip to Japan to work with their distributors, to meet and make new connections. And so we thought this would be a great chance to meet up with some people who are just starting off on their journey of launching their product into Japan. So yeah, we saw some great things happening at that meeting, didn't we? It was it was amazing. Of course, when you're Kiwis, you do connect very, very easily. And I think they were quite glad to see happy faces, joyful Kiwi faces across the table. But it was more than that. There was so much that happens just within an hour and also this face-to-face. You can't yeah. underestimate the face-to-face. That was just magical wasn't it? Yeah, so many connections popped up, so many potential introductions that could be made. And we also invited another guest to join us, didn't we? We did. Ian Kennedy came along. He had his latte uh, (laughs) while I was having my black coffee. And it was, yeah, great for him to meet the, the two people from Native, but also, you know, just to get some connections there going between the the three of them really and again you know sparking off each other and just the ideas that came up really amazing that the power of being together I mean we love zoom and it's great but you can't underestimate that um, joyfulness and spark that happens when you're face to face even in one hour it was only one hour and so for those who don't know Ian Kennedy is the former former yeah former New Zealand ambassador to Japan Uh, And now he is the chair of the JNZBC, the Japan New Zealand Business Council, on the New Zealand committee side. And he's visiting Japan this week. Uh, He's obviously here during uh, Prime Minister Ardern's visit to Japan and very much involved in that uh, and such a real trooper and big connector of New Zealand and Japan. We just loved seeing Ian this morning too. Yes, so we'll have Ian coming on the show later on. We've teed him up to come on. And also the boys from Native Sparkling will be joining us on the show soon. So we're looking forward to having them on the show. But we wanted to let you all know about them, that they're in Japan. Follow them on Instagram because they're sharing their journey around Japan, what they're getting up to about uh, putting their product into stores. And we would love if our Jandals listeners would go out and buy their products. Find it in your local Eon or Daie, if you have it. They're also in... They're also a national Azabu, mm. yes. Also a national Azabu. So they are, you know, they are sparkling personalities. Their, their beverage is a sparkling. It's a healthy alcoholic drink. It's got lots of beautiful, beautiful products inside. We won't give it all away, but we really would, as Jane just said, love you to follow them right now and see what they're doing. And also they are seeing Japan through fresh eyes. One of the brothers was here visiting Japan a while ago for skiing. Skiing, yeah. Long time ago, but it's the first time for them to come together as a duo and sort of experience Japan fresh. 
So it's really fun from that perspective also to see how they're approaching what they're doing in Japan here on their visit. Yeah, just listening to them today, I was so impressed how far they've come already. Mm. And But there's so much more potential for them. So we really look forward to watching their progress. And we hope that you will too. So we wanted to give you that little heads up about mm. them, mm. Matt and Guy from Noed with Sparkling. Say yes. hi to them on Instagram. Say you heard about them from Jandals in Japan. We would love that. Anyway, getting on to our... Episode. episode for today. <laughs> yeah, getting on to our episode for today. It's actually a great episode. It's not about drinking, really, not directly about drinking or about eating, which we've had on our previous guests so far. It's about clothing. It's about putting things on your body to make you warm with products that are coming from New Zealand. And so we're so happy that Jackie Miyabayashi came on to record and tell her story with North south stewart north north island of new zealand south south island of new zealand stewart the other stewart island of new zealand so that's where she got her name from north south stewart and she's bringing these new zealand designed and made just all natural merino and possum fiber into japan and selling these products and they're just beautiful they aren't they, are i'm a big fan all my hats and scarves and gloves and things are from north south stewart so i really do recommend her products and if you listen there's a juicy code ah, as well exactly. that jackie shares with us but you'll just be amazed at the information that she has mm. not only about starting an online business or as she was intending to start a bricks and mortar business, but having to pivot to an online business, but also the network of New Zealand influenced or New Zealand themed businesses that are in Japan from people who've actually, who are not New Zealanders, even some of them are Japanese people who've come back from their time in New Zealand and have started. So we'll hear all about that in the episode. We hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, it's a real quintessentialist New Zealand product, and we look forward to bringing you the show. Kia ora, Jackie. Hey, Jackie. Hi, hi. Nice to be here with you guys. Thank you very much for having me. Exciting welcome, welcome. Yeah, yeah, we have a warm-up question for you. Okay. A or B, which are you, Ume or Sakura? Oh, is this like just off, of, off the top of my head? I'd probably say Ume. Ooh, Ume. <laughs> because? Um, because I really love the cold weather and getting out in my gear mm. that I sell in my store. So... Being able to go out in the winter when it's still freezing and then just seeing them is just like such a joy. They are the first kind of, like one of the first flowers that start to right. bloom, right? Before the yes. sakura comes. And I, I live in the Kansai area of Japan near Osaka. And then if you just drive a little bit further down, you get into Wakayama, which is the biggest growing area for the Ume. Oh, right. That must be amazing there. Yeah. This year it was closed due due to the coronavirus, Mm -hmm. but there's this massive hillside plum orchard. It's called a forest thing. I can't remember the name of it. Byron, something like that. So that's only just down the road from me. Lucky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to say Ume too, because they are kind of like that little underdog of Blooming, yeah. yeah, spring. I, I like everyone's like, yeah. oh, sakura, yay! Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, but ume, <laughs> that's so cute. And <laughs> and they come first, and they smell great, and the delicious fruit that follows as well. Yeah. So I have two yeah. ume trees yeah. in my garden. 
and oh, they wow. grow umes. <laughs> so we keep saying ume, but a Japanese plums, which can yes, be turned plums. into Japanese plum juice or liquor or which mm. I've made myself mm. as oh, well. Oh, me too. Yeah, I'm I'm now a Japanese um, plum liquor maker as well. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I do have a sakura in my garden, a oh, cherry right. blossom, and it's actually just finishing. It's a really early mm. bloomer. It's been really beautiful, but yeah, it's on its last legs. So that's kind of enough for me. Plus, I can't stand crowds. So mm. I almost never go to any of the really big cherry blossom viewing sure. places. Mm. Yeah. So. But you, Catherine? <laughs> well, you? I, I, I was trying to do something different, but I'm the same. Because I'm born in February, Ume has really been a significant flower for me. It, it's so pretty. And as you say, Jane, it's the underdog. It's the one that comes first and people aren't as keen. They don't want to go out in the cold. But if they have products like Jackie's, they can actually <laughs> go out and and uh, challenge the cold. But I love it. I remember in Osaka too, Jackie, I had this, I went to an antique fair and got a or bento box, which is blue and white uh, ceramic an old three-tiered obento box and that's got an ume design on and I just love that Uh, so for me it's ume all the way I do love the cherry blossom but yeah I think it's plum all the way Mm -hmm. yeah oh wow look at that (laughs) I didn't expect us all to be plum blossom fans but there you go I like the underdog reference as well and maybe that it speaks to us as New Zealanders bingo there you go I think you're right right there Jackie Mm. wow Jackie, the reason we did want you on the show, not because you are an underdog, because (laughs) you are a fantastic long-term resident. You've been here, gosh, how long is it? Well, it's too many years to count, but... um, Is it more than 20? Yes, it's more than 20. So last night, my husband, he's Japanese, we were talking and I said, how long have we been married? And it's really easy to work out, although it took me a moment, because we were married in the year 2000. Oh, okay. So 22 years. So it'll be 22 this year. So we were married in June, but then you add a few years. I mean, I didn't just come here and get married to him. (laughs) (laughs) So we met here. So I was here for a few years before that. So definitely over 20. Wow. Um, And I have a 20 year old son. So there's that as well. So it's definitely over 20. You know, a long term resident, and you've been here taking yourself from those early days in Osaka as a working holiday visa person right through to having, you know, creating your life here, having your family, as you've just been mentioning. I know you've got another son too. Yep. Um, And becoming a really successful entrepreneur with various business niches or niches as some of our US friends say, but it's niche today. So you've got a bunch of experience in Japan and we really wanted to have you on the show because you've launched various businesses. You're very proficient at that. and We wanted to get your story. So thank you and welcome to the show today. Well, I really appreciate those kind words. We think every New Zealander in Japan has got a fabulous story and is successful. It's a long way to come. It's more than 9,000 kilometers to travel up to this country. Yeah, (laughs) and having just done that journey, I've done it twice, so it's (laughs) 18,000. But, you know, it is is a big step to come to Japan, and we think your latest venture, North-South Stewart, is a story to tell as well as your previous. So we're going to be putting your full bio into the show notes, Jackie, but tell us about your inspiration for coming to Japan. You could have, as I say to others, chosen any other country, but you chose Japan. So why? I wouldn't say that I chose it. I kind of fell into it. My story is, as you said, working holiday. My brother was here and he was often telling me, was always telling me, it's so much fun here. You should come, Jack. You should come. 
And then like many, I had a visa to work in the UK, an ancestry visa. So I came here on a working holiday, but it was also just a stopover. <laughs> yeah, at, back in the day when you're allowed to stop over for up to six months I think mm-hmm. so I came here got a job and I liked it I mean I had a great time that was true what my brother had said but I think the thing that really made me stay was that I met my husband kind of a good and bad thing so I've ended up staying but at the same time I also was doing really well in the job that I had I started out teaching like many people do on the working holiday. I just kept getting promotions and things at work. So mm. it was that as well to make me stay. So tell us how you came to be in the position to start a business called North South Stewart. What's that all about? Yeah, North South Stewart. Well, as Catherine mentioned, I've tried a lot of different things over my years here. And uh, I think North South Stewart has been the hardest thing that I've done but also the most challenging and I love a challenge. So there's that. So how I came to start it, it's kind of on a whim. Right. <laughs> uh, I was looking around for something new to try and uh, I probably need to go into a little bit of the history of some of the other things that I've done to how I get to here. But I think one of my kind of little slogans or mottos in life is those who can do and those who can't teach. I don't know if you've ever heard that. I've heard that one, yes. Right, okay. (laughs) And that sort of, it's. some people think it's kind of derogatory towards teachers, but what it really means to me is if you can do something, then do it. And for a few years, I had been coaching and consulting as a marketing person. And there was always in the back of my mind thinking, here I am telling all of these people, helping all of these people market their own businesses, but what am I doing in marketing and business myself? So I wanted to get back to something where I was doing it hands-on. So it's kind of like, yeah, you can teach and you can help other people, but can you actually make it in the business that you're helping other people get into that was in the back of my mind and so I wanted to get into business and uh, obviously there are always opportunities and if you're a person like I am you can always see opportunities and also gaps in the market and I just felt like people would love our products so I started it (laughs) on a whim so I started it (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but like I said, it's been challenging um, and it continues to be so. So you're bringing in these New Zealand-made all-natural fine merino wool, uh, soft possum fibre products. Yeah. How do you teach people? Am I using teach? How do you educate (laughs) people in Japan about these products? Because they're very different to perhaps the fibres and products that Japanese people typically wear. They love cotton and they love synthetics. Can we say that? Yeah. How are you educating them to buy this product? Yeah, that's probably the thing that's been really hard because I don't think there is the understanding there about the benefits of wool. I mean, we're from New Zealand, so we grew up with wool, definitely. All of us did. I think instinctively we think that wool is best. Well, I know I do. But Japanese people haven't had that upbringing, so wool isn't necessarily best in their mind or they associate it with 
being scratchy and itchy, which mm-hmm. <laughs> we do as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but wool has come a long way in terms of the technology and the, the processing, the breeding to make wool extremely soft and fine. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So how to educate people? Well, it's really just you know, trying to talk about it on our website or talking about it on social media, but there's nothing better than being with a person and showing them and having them try it. So it's kind of like a leap of faith on their part to try it. And then a bit of word of mouth, they hear about it from a friend, but being able to see and touch it is best. So it's probably been a little bit hard with COVID. I've had to shift a little bit away from being an in-person business, which was my original intention, to being almost entirely online. That's probably what I mean by the challenge that I wasn't actually planning to just have an online business. Yeah, I know you had some great ideas for a cafe and a space where people could see the products and touch them. Yeah, yeah. And see what they're like. So yeah, it's been tricky for you, but have you been able to somehow over, overcome that? Or what? what's some of the feedback you've had from Japanese customers who have used these new products that they've never tried yeah. before? Anybody who gets their hands on them, the first thing they say is, oh, wow, it's so soft. And the second thing is, oh, wow, it's so light. Mm. I think this is one of the things when you're in business you know, you were saying before about being really successful and I was like, I'm not really successful. Successful. This is so new. This is still very early days for this business. A big part of that is, you know, balancing the risk with having a lot of stock, you know, balancing how much investment you want to make in advertising and things like that. But using the time to really try to understand what the customers want we don't want to make assumptions about what people will like. And so you can have a working hypothesis of what you think people will like. And then it's just a matter of trying to prove whether your hypothesis is true. So um, one thing I've learned is that there's no understanding of what possum is, (laughs) possum fiber or possum fur, and how that is mixed in with the wool. But as soon as you get a hold of the product, what you realize is that the possum is making the merino extremely light because it bulks it up. It's extremely warm, but it's it's weighs virtually nothing. So that's a point of difference that I um, keep on hearing and definitely something I want to work more with. And also the use of possum with wool is unique to New Zealand. So mm. there's also a, a selling point there. It's a little bit of a love-hate relationship with the possum, I have to say, though, because it's Mm. fur. Sure. Right. Mm. Okay. And so we don't want people to be throwing paint bombs at us or something (laughs) because we're wearing fur. So we also have to try to explain why possum is used in New Zealand and how it came to be a fiber. So, yeah, there's a lot of education involved. And we're still really learning how to teach that. <laughs> Catherine, to answer your question. Yeah, I wouldn't even know what the word possum is. So there must have been a lot of research that you had to do to sort of help yourself with knowing more about that animal and how it's bred and why we're using it. And yeah. is it a pest in New Zealand or is it encouraged? Right, That sort of thing. We're helping the environment perhaps because we are using the possum fur. So yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a good thing. We've got a, a country like New Zealand with a lot of 
flightless birds and, you know, fauna that needs protection, flora yep, and fauna. Yep, so absolutely. This is a good story too to be telling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And you're absolutely right. All of those things are true. It's a pest. There are something like 80 million possums in New Zealand. They really? breed ferociously. And yeah, they attack the fauna. They wreck the trees. Um, and we have so many native trees in New Zealand. But they're a bit of a menace and they're actively captured. But actually, they're not for the product. It's it's kind of a byproduct of mm, yeah. the the program to control the numbers, they've got all of these pelts, they've, they've got all the fur, so what to do with it? So it really is an environmental and an eco-friendly use. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it would um, just be wasted otherwise. Exactly. It'd be just wasted otherwise. And mm. it's the same also with sheepskin. Sheepskin is widely accepted, and that's a byproduct of eating lamb so the possum is no different uh in, in that respect but yeah it has taken education but once people that are oh possum cool yeah if they don't have a you know moral objection to the use of fur then uh they're all on board with it and they love it because they're like oh it's so soft it's so light and it's so warm mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i tested out your garments in Sweden, and they <laughs> so they were amazing because right. it's so cold and so damp there. Well, um, it's interesting because the structure of the possum fiber, it's hollow, so it traps air or something, but it's similar to a polar bear. There you go. There you go, mm. right? So um, polar bears, that's how they stay warm, and possums are the same, or well, the, the, the structure of the fiber. So it makes sense right. that it would keep mm -hmm. people warm. And then you're bringing that into the wool and the wool deflects moisture too, doesn't it? And yep. absorbs the heat. So that sounds like yeah. a great combination. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's completely unique to New Zealand um, because of the situation with the possum population, but also with the vast number of sheep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think in one way it's been easy to bring in sheep products or wool because Anytime someone says, oh, you're from New Zealand, there are two things they know about New Zealand. One is the All Blacks yes. and rugby. And the second one is, oh, there are so many sheep over there. And you're like, yep, there are. Yeah. And yeah. so <laughs> that works in my favour. So it's two things that people typically know about New Zealand. Sure. And, Jackie, you went to New Zealand and you sourced your producer for these, these garments and products that you've got. You yep. could have chosen anyone. How did you go about selecting your producer how did you go and search for someone I mean guests have been talking about it so far that selection of that key partner and, and doing that very carefully is really important so tell yeah. us how you went about it and why you chose the producer that you did there is an abundance of producers that I could have chosen but a lot of them are really small and we are small too so it would be great to support another small business uh, however, a lot of the smaller ones just didn't have the capability to produce uh, maybe the amount that we hope to be able to sell in the future. No, we're not quite there yet. And the product control, the quality control. And uh, honestly, when I spoke to the people that we work with, which we really only work with one main supplier, I just instantly felt a rapport with them. That's all it boiled down right. to. 
There was a lot of emailing or a few emails back and forth in, in the early days. And they just seemed so nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then a really big thing, and I don't know if others would feel like this was important, but the particular company that we're working with somehow had a bank account that was able to accept Japanese yen already okay. set up. They are not selling here, but perhaps they did in the past. I'm not quite sure. I didn't ask why they had that, but that just made it so much easier because we are able to transfer money from our bank account here in Japan directly into their bank account in New Zealand when we pay for our orders. And so it's so easy rather than having to try and set up something. And, you know, with any kind of bank transfer is complicated, but internationally, even more so. And that was just a big thing. So <laughs> kind of clinched it there. And I love their products. I love their story. They've Tell been us a little bit about them. their story there. First of all, the thing I really liked about them is that they're based in the North Island of New Zealand, but they're not in Auckland. I'm from Auckland and I just really liked the fact that they weren't from Auckland <laughs> and that they're supporting their local community as an employer. That really appealed to me. The company has been in business for over 135 years. So a couple of years ago, they had their 135 year anniversary. That's amazing. Super. That's amazing. And just from the, the, the little I could glean from the internet and stuff, you know, on museum websites, even they have been through the wars. And during that time, they had only women working in the factory and they were doing job sharing in order to keep everyone in work. They were making things for the soldiers and for the boys overseas and just all the little, little things that they've done. They've made things for the All Blacks wow. when the All Blacks used to wear wool jerseys. <laughs> oh, cute. So I just really liked the history of their company and they don't really talk a lot about it themselves but to me it appealed it, it appealed to me and I think maybe that's from living in Japan because there are so many century old companies here mm. and when you look on their websites they'll be like we've been in business for seven generations or whatever mm -hmm. it is but that's always listed out on their website that's mm. important to Japanese people that mm. there's a history there mm. that adds to the trust and so I guess I've picked up on that and it just really spoke to me, the history of this company and uh, how they've had to adapt and how they've supported their, their local community as employers. They're that's great. a gorgeous um, story. I love lovely. that. It's in the 135 years, that's quite special in the history of New Zealand to have. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was an immigrant who arrived in New Zealand that also appealed to me and then Actually, he was a farmer. His wife was the one who was doing it. So oh. that also spoke to me. It's like it was his company, but she was doing it. He was actually out clearing gorse off the <laughs> farm. <laughs> so, uh, and then their son took over and various things. It's not actually owned by the original family now, but it's still in, in the similar environment and location mm -hmm. as it always has been. Yeah, I can oh, yeah. imagine that story really singing to Japanese consumers. They would just fall into it and be enveloped as softly as your product, <laughs> right? They would love that. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we don't talk a huge amount about that in our business. I mean, it's mentioned on our website and here and there, but they're not our only supplier, but they're our main one. But yeah, if we can add in that little bit of story for people, it's helpful. And then even the the structure of our business, North South Stewart, is that it's really part of my husband's, well, our bigger business. And that also has a history. So that does seem to be important to Japanese people, that there's some history and trustworthiness there. Can I ask, um, when you were sourcing products, things that you thought Japanese people would like and things that they actually liked, were they different or the same? Like colors or yeah, yeah. styles so, or? Yeah. yeah, so I have really been learning these past, well, we've done three seasons now, three winters, learning as I go. When I first started, I brought in a lot of colors that I thought Japanese people would like, and I was right. They did like them. However, they weren't really colors that spoke to me. They were really muted and I like much more bright colors. And what I found was with this business, how it's worked for me really more than I expected is that it's quite personality driven and that I am the kind of face of the business. I'm quite a courageous kind of a person. I'm quite adventurous. I'm older. Different things like that have kind of come through. And even with people who don't know me, it seems to have been a point of appeal that um, you can be older, you can be bold, you can make your own choices, you can do fun things on your own. Maybe I'll get into that, what kinds of things I do. But that has kind of led to much bolder colors. And Mm. I would have thought that Japanese people didn't like, wouldn't like them, but that's actually been like, oh, wow, we love your colors and they really allow you to express yourself. And it's kind of like a little niche that, well, there's a hashtag, wear what makes you happy. And we've kind of been leaning into that. So it's definitely not mainstream and it's also definitely an older target market than I would have originally thought we were going to be going after. Yeah, that's interesting because the older people are told wear grey, wear muted colours, mm-hmm. no bright colours because you're old. You're not allowed to wear those colours. Who do you think you are wearing red when you're over, you know, 50 or 60? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you showing them, look look at me, I'm out doing my things that I like doing and I'm wearing this beautiful purple beret or you know, the things <laughs> that we often see Jackie yeah. doing. Yeah, um, yeah. That must be really inspiring to them as well you're Um, in Japan you're doing the same yeah and I've also attracted that kind of person who had already Mm. come to the conclusion that life is short and you should live your life as you want to so if you love colors go for it (laughs) so yeah that's been really interesting as it's evolved and I guess that's my marketing background is to really try to be in tune with what's actually happening in Mm. our market rather than what I thought would happen and would want to happen. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask you about if there was something that was really Kiwi about you. The Kiwiness about you, shall I say, is your (laughs) X factor. But it sounds, what I'm hearing though, Jackie, is this courageous, adventurous, being true to self coming through and this boldness. So you talked about it a little bit before. So tell us a bit more about that boldness, how that's coming through again in your product and the way that you're putting it into market like you said I've been here for 20 years and there's 
been a lot of ups and downs during that time, but mostly ups. <laughs> I'm an optimistic person and I find a lot of New Zealanders are the same. Mm. We get on with it. I don't know if it, it's just a combination of how these last few years have been with COVID, also aging and my kids getting older and all of those kinds of things have just led me to look internally and see if we can't travel what are the things that we can do that make us happy you know we can't really get together with people like we used to so what can you do to make yourself happy or just to survive sometimes I don't know have I always been this bold adventurous person I think I have I mean I came here (laughs) yeah you're here (laughs) (laughs) there's that but now I see it in my kids my kids are so brave they do things that I would be like oh my gosh I would have needed my mother to help me with that um they're really adventurous and they're up for anything and I think that's just from being brought up that way by Mm. me so and it is it is just really interesting um how it has lent itself to being an aspect of our business really unexpectedly I didn't expect that I would be the face of it. <laughs> and you very much are. And it's I am. And, to see. Well, it's initially, wonderful. oh, thanks. Well, yeah, well, because we are seeing your personality and it's, oh, this kind of personality can wear something like that. And it's very attractive, right? Yeah. The yellows and the greens and these beautiful muted, also muted, but it's very subtle, the, the greeny blue colors that you're wearing as well. You can see that you can see you feel that you love that product by the yeah. way you're wearing it and the way you're yeah. smiling. It's very yeah. genuine. I think that's what's also appealing to the, yeah, to yeah. the customer. And yeah. I mean, you guys know me, so there's also that, but it's also been true of people who don't know me. Yeah. So um, there's a little bit of the X factor there and, and allowing your personality to be involved in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, be your own influencer. Right, right. And I've said that to you before, Jane, I think on an earlier podcast in Mm. one of your other um, ventures, be your own influencer. (laughs) But initially, when we first started the business, I would have liked to have hired models and done photo shoots and things like that. But I just didn't have the money initially. And I'm the kind of person in business who starts before I'm ready. That's kind of a phrase that we hear around with Mm -hmm. business coaches, start before you're ready. It will pull you into it. But I also am a person who believes that you definitely can have this idea of how it's going to go. It's never going to go that way. All the best business plans in the world, nothing ever works out as you expect it to Mm. once you hit the market. So you can only ever guess or estimate or, you know, speculate about what's going to happen. So rather than investing a ton of money in what I thought was going to happen, I thought, well, I'll just give it a go, see how it goes. And then it started to be, well, actually, do I need these things? I mean, I'd love to not be just doing selfies. <laughs> but then COVID has kind of been... I've been like, I don't don't know if I want to get in touch with my photographer friends and blah, blah, blah. So kind of just, yeah, adapted a little bit to COVID, but it's worked out differently than I expected, but so much better because I like being the face of it. And I love the direction that it's going in, that you can be your own person. You can take yourself off on adventures And then one really big thing is you don't have to be outdoorsy to enjoy the outdoors. 
that's one of my little phrases that I keep on working with because a lot of the wool products that we see big companies like Icebreaker, for instance, it's really performance sports oh, yeah. wear. Let's climb Mount Everest with our Let's stuff on. Let's climb Mount Everest with our stuff on. So, oh, well, I really just want to go and look at the plum blossom, you know. <laughs> and be uh, warm. And yes. be warm. Yes, yes. Or I just want to sit in my own house and be warm, you know. There's a lack mm. of insulation in Japanese homes. So mm. my house is insulated, but it's cold here. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm kind of really trying to educate people in Japan is that if they do know about wool, they know about the performance gear. Yeah, professional level outdoorsness that's yeah, marketed. Yeah. You don't and have to be at that level. There's tons of that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like, mm. you know, technical the socks are all, you know, molded to support your foot for hiking and all that sort of stuff. Well, there's no way I'm going hiking. Well, you may have seen uh, on Instagram, I'm hiking. It was like a a hundred meter little walk up a little hill to get to the view. And it's like, yeah, look at me. And it's a jo- total yeah. joke because yeah. I want my people to know that I don't hike. I am not sporty, although I like swimming. I'm not that person. And outdoors, I like camping, but I take my car and I (laughs) fill it to the gills with everything you could possibly need. I am not a light packer. So I think that you can embrace being an outdoors person without having to go to the extremes. And my gear will help you do that. And you'll mm. look nice. You will. <laughs> so, yes. That is so good. Yeah. yeah oh, so, you really captured it there. I think it's so important what you've just said, right? You don't have to be outdoorsy to enjoy the outdoors. Yay. Right. right. And, you know, Japanese um, people or people who live in Japan, it's, I mean, we're all here and we're all the same now. We love it. We love bundling up and going and looking at the plum blossoms. We can't wait for the cherry blossoms. Like Japan is really driven by the seasons because, you know, the summer is unbearable and the winter is freezing. So it's like really inhospitable climate at times. (laughs) But everybody here embraces the seasonal changes and loves those little things that happen as the seasons change. And so it really makes sense to me to have products that slot in there with that. Mm. Yeah. So um, it's a little bit different from how other people are doing it. I will say thinking about how other people are doing it, say big companies, we are not fashion driven. So we sell a clothing product and we're, and influenced a little bit by what's fashionable in terms of the colors, but we're not chasing after the trends, mm. if you know what I mean. So if you love purple, then you're going to wear it. And if it suits you, then you're going to wear it. If you love teal blue and it's your color, then wear it. Jane, you're fantastic in yellow. You've been wearing yellow, you've got your yellow hat, but even even (laughs) before, even before that, you've embraced wearing yellow because it suits you. And so I really love that idea of, yeah, maybe red is in fashion and it's trending now, but if it doesn't suit you, don't wear it. Wear what you love and wear what makes you look energized. 
we're really, really on the fringe of a being a fashion business and we're really on the fringe of being an outdoor business. So it is really a niche that I'm trying to build on. Yeah, name it, claim it. It's yours. Yes. I saw one of your recent photos. You were at, I think it was a shrine, and you were walking, and that was a great picture too because you were in your clothing, right, but you also had that Japan image, and you were outdoors. And I thought that was a great image. I thought more of that, Jackie. That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think having this business has encouraged me to go and take more adventures. everyone, Jane here. Thanks for listening so far to part one of two parts about Jackie Miyabayashi and her business North South Stewart, which brings merino possum garments into Japan. We have part two for you waiting, so head over there now and continue the show. Thanks so much for listening. Listening.